All right. Welcome to the Take Chances Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Mack. Here on the Take Chances Podcast, we talk about three things, tech, culture, and people. Now, our goal is to be the number one business podcast for young people. And last episode was phenomenal. We spoke with Robin Dang about his journey into software sales. And most importantly, we talked about financial literacy and creating generational wealth. Now, I have an amazing guest with me today. Really excited to tap into his story and learn a little bit about him. Uh, so with that being said, I want to introduce my guest, Tyler Ginn. Tyler, say hello. Hey, Chance. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm Like I said earlier, I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about you, but I think this episode might be really important for those looking to get into software sales or into technology that are veterans or in the military. So I really want to come at it from that lens today. And again, just want to have a conversation with you and uh, provide value to our audience. Yeah. All right, man. So Tyler, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Like, where'd you grow up? Who are you? You know, what do you like to do? Give me some background. Yeah, that's a, and that's a big question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, I was born in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I lived in Ellicott City for most of my early childhood. And then that's right outside Baltimore. Um, for a brief period, I lived in Korea. My father was uh, ex-military at the time, but was working for the National Security Agency. And we did a three-year tour to Korea where we adopted my little sister, Aubrey, um, who is Korean. I guess I should, that goes without saying. Um, and then moved back to Maryland. And I, I lived there until 2005. I moved to Georgia um, in the latter half of 2005. I was in eighth grade. And man, it was like the biggest culture shock ever. Uh, going from the Northeast to uh, Augusta, Georgia. It was, it was interesting to say the least. Um, yeah. Tyler, let me ask you. yeah. Let me, let me jump in here. You said your dad was ex-military. Um, what, what branch? He did, uh, four years active duty and 16 in the reserve. Okay. So get back into your story, man. Like when you moved back to Georgia, you said it was like culture shock. Why? What, what was that transition like? Now, mind you, Tyler, I'm a military kid too. So <laughs> I moved yeah. around a bunch um, and my dad was in the Navy. So I know about, you know, just the culture shock of, of moving different places. But what was yeah. your experience like? Sure. And, you know, I, I got to say, I'm not I don't consider myself a military brat because my dad had done I guess my dad's pretty old. Uh, he had done 20 years when I was like two or three years old. OK, so he got out of the military before I can even remember. Uh, so we never had to move for that purpose mm -hmm. um, or I, I never really experienced that lifestyle. And like I said, he was reserved most of the time, mm -hmm. which allows you to really be free and you can live where you want so long as you can find a job in that community. So, okay. That's awesome. So what yeah. was the real difference for you or what was the shock for you? Was it just moving from the North to the South or what was it? Yeah, it was just the culture is just radically different, man. I mean, the, yeah. there's a whole lot of diversity up north. Uh, the schools I went to in Maryland, I, I can truly say, I, I know for one, I was a younger kid, uh, but just living up there, you don't see race, you don't see color. Mm -hmm. Because, and I know that sounds idealistic, but it really is true. It's, I, I went to school with 
with obviously white people, but then there were a lot of black people, there were Jewish people, there were Korean people. It was just everything, everyone in every culture you can imagine. Um, it truly is a melting pot up there. And I made friends with people that look different and have different religions and you just don't even think about it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, then when I moved to the South, I saw white people and black people and that's it essentially in Augusta. Yeah. Um, and the attire was different. The dress was different at school. I, I think this is a good opportunity to say that my first day going to school in, in Georgia, I was trying to dress fresh. And what that meant, <laughs> what that meant from a Maryland kid was I was wearing my T-Max, some jean shorts. I, I know, right? And, uh, and a Paul Pierce jersey, <laughs> right? I had an undershirt underneath it. I wasn't going straight you know, go to the pool look, but, yeah. um, yeah, it was, yeah, you were fresh. You were fresh. If yeah. You had Jersey, man. That was, that was a big deal. Back <laughs> it just depends on who's the judge. Right. Cause right. I, I think I, I caught people off guard, uh, <laughs> showing up, showing up to Georgia, um, wearing that. So <laughs> I, I, what I saw was everybody wearing, especially all the guys are wearing like Sperry's and Chino shorts and in polos. And I'm thinking like, damn, is it picture day? Like, what, you know, what's going on? And uh, yeah, it, it took me some time to adjust, man, for sure. And it was hard to make friends at first, um, whereas I had no problem making friends up in Maryland. Uh, so I just had to kind of assimilate to the culture. You, you, you don't do it consciously as a kid in eighth grade, but um, you just kind of meet people you like and eventually they rub off on you and you kind of become part of the community. But I'll always say Maryland has always been a part of me. Mm -hmm. Experience has always been a part of me, and it very much shapes my view of the world. And uh, my thoughts about diversity and about people haven't changed a bit. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So let's fast forward a little bit. What led you to the military? Um, you know, that's a, a vulnerability question for me, Chance, it, just because my path to the military was anything but typical. Mm -hmm. Um, it came through going to, um, uh, army Eisenhower hospital. Um, when I was, I think I was 24 at the time and my girlfriend who became my wife was pregnant. And so we were going for her pregnancy visits, uh, on post because she's a military brat herself. Mm -hmm. Um, and just seeing people in uniform really struck me and, it felt like a place where I belonged. Um, it's something I wanted to be a part of. And even though I had thought about the military before, I hadn't thought about it seriously until then. I think seeing people in the flesh, in uniform and being on post, uh, I just had that gut feel and felt like I needed to do it. Uh, and I had an opportunity at the time because I was just about to start grad school. And my grad school had a two-year um, ROTC program that I could do through grad school. So it, it lined up perfectly. And that's, uh, I, I chose army because that's all they had, but, uh, <laughs> given that my dad was in the army, that, that was, you know, kind of the branch I probably would have chosen anyway. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell me about your, your time in the, in the military, what do you do in the military? And, and, um, and number one, let me say, thank you for your service too, Tyler. Let me not forget that or skip over that. Thank you for your service. Cause you know, we know that freedom is not free. So I want to say thank you while I have the opportunity. 
Uh, but yeah, tell me, any, tell me about your time in the military. You know, what do you do? Yeah, so I'm a civil affairs officer. It's a MOS is 38 Alpha. And that that's not my basic branch. So it, it, it can be very difficult for any of the military people out there know it can be very difficult to kind of translate military speak to civilian speak. But um, civil affairs is a uh, within the special operations community. And what civil affairs does is essentially um, build partner negotiations, or excuse me, build partner relationships with foreign governments, foreign militaries, um, non-government organizations, government organizations, you name it, right? So uh, that's very dependent upon what area of the world you're working in, right? So um, being in a unit that was assigned to Africa or Africa Command, uh, some of that was doing anti-poaching campaigns in Tanzania or um, uh, kind of civil reconnaissance in Somalia to understand kind of the, the unrest and, and lack of um, structure there. Um, it can be working with host nation governments to get anything done really that affects the civilian populace. So the civilian populace is our focus uh, and we're nicknamed warrior diplomats. So that's kind of our role is to kind of be the bridge between the military and civilian populace and the area of operation that we're working in, if that makes That's sense. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I even asked you that question, Tyler, is because my audience is primarily young people. Um, and some of them might relate to your story, right? Um, just trying to you know, figure their way out or figure out life. Uh, and the military might be a great option for them. So just hearing your story is is powerful. And I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people. So you, you spent time in the military, you're still in the military, you know, what led you into technology? How'd you get in, get started? You know, tell me about that, that journey. And, and I guess, you know, this already chance, but I, uh, I stumbled into the world of, of technology. Um, I had no real intention of going into technology, but I can't imagine another life outside it now. I mean, I've, I've fallen in love with the community, the culture, the environment, the people. Um, so I was working at the Augusta National Golf Club after undergraduate at Georgia Southern. And that was like the coolest job ever, by the way. Uh, I, I got to meet, uh, I guess we would call the top 1% of the top 1%, but probably even cooler than that was just the beauty of that place and what humans are capable of creating. Uh, you've just never seen a more pristine environment. Um, that, that was phenomenal. Uh, but getting to meet the membership was a, a really big part of that for me. And um, I got to meet Anil Boosri, the CEO of Workday, as one of the members there. And him and I just hit it off and got along really well when I started there. And that conversation started with me asking him a question. So this was towards the end of my time there in 2017. I think this was my fourth master's tournament I was working. And I worked in hospitality, again, with the, with the membership at Augusta. Mm -hmm. And I had the epiphany that if I'm going to leave this place soon, which I, I was, I was planning on starting grad school and kind of moving on from that that job, it wasn't a, a long-term career. Um, 
I, I asked myself, like, I'd be doing myself a huge disservice to not pick the brains of these people who have been wildly successful mm-hmm. in one way or another. So I asked Anil, along with many other members, if there was one piece of advice you had for me as somebody about to start my career, what would it be? And Anil's was be a raging optimist. And so him and I spoke for about 30 minutes uh, that night that I asked him that question. And we spoke again throughout the week uh, here and there. And he kept up bringing, he kept bringing up Workday and saying, you know, Tyler, I, I would love to have you. I think you do well in sales. And he kept saying sales, sales. And I'm thinking like, man, this is so different than anything I had planned for my life. Mm-hmm. So it, it felt very uncomfortable. But at the same time, you know, I was either going to go active duty military, which I wasn't sold on. Um, and the reasons for that are simple. I, I didn't want to subject my family to that lifestyle. I know everybody makes that choice, but you have to be a special uh, spouse or person to, to have the patience and mental fortitude to be married to somebody in the military full time. It's just a tough life to go all around the world, move all the time, take your kids with you. It's very hard. And I admire the people who do it, but it wasn't for me. Uh, so I knew at that time I wasn't going to go or didn't really want to go active duty, even though I had been offered the opportunity. And uh, I was considering a career in education, but wasn't super sold on that either. So Anil talked to me about this was also very timely. And I was thinking I'd be, I'd be crazy to not take this guy up on his offer because I really like him personally. I don't know what workday is. I don't really know what sales is, uh, but I got to take this guy up on his offer. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And here I am about four years later, uh, loving life in, in the tech- world of technology and software as a service and sales. Um, it's, it's been an incredible journey, uh, a learning experience, and it's absolutely made me a better, a better person. I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. So. Number one, you met Anil Bouchery on your first encounter with Workday. How awesome is that, right? Yeah, it, it was uh, a piece of legend when I started at Workday and certainly had uh, expectations to live up to. I probably still do. Um, and, and maybe I've fallen well short of some of those expectations, but I, I do my best to, to uh, honor that relationship with Anil. It, it does certainly drive me to, to do my best at Workday because he's, he's a phenomenal person. But yeah, it's... It was an interesting way to start for sure. Yes, sir. So let's talk about vets and tech. We talked a little bit earlier about just the difficulty in translating, you know, military talk to civilian talk. What about the other way around? What is it like, you know, spending most majority of your career in the military, but then also now working in technology where it's, you know, extremely pressurized in what you say and how you present yourself and right. how you pitch the product. What's been your experience as a sales rep? It's, it's evolved. You know, I, I started at the bottom and anyone who enters the world of sales, um, which I'm sure Chance and I would both encourage, um, is starting with cold calling, right? You're starting at the bottom, picking up the phone and calling people you don't know. And that was tough, <clears throat> but it was an amazing learning experience as a person. Uh, I became very interested in the psychology of selling and 
making the most of that first 10 seconds on the phone call. And that, uh, that interest turned into me reading books on the topic, following, listening to podcasts, mm -hmm. uh, following thought leaders. And I started to get really engaged uh, with sales and the psychology of selling. And, and really, I felt like I was doing right by people because Workday sells such a phenomenal product and it exposes them to such a great culture. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of in my development as a sales rep, I've learned um, what is interesting to people, uh, how to be a problem finder and not just a problem solver, um, and explain value to people in a way that makes sense. And I think to your point, as hard as it is sometimes to explain military to civilian or vice versa, mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's similar in that regard that you, you have to be able to translate your value to their everyday life. And it's, it's not simple. It's not easy. Uh, and it takes practice, but um, you know, I, to answer the question of, or kind of bring that home of uh, how it relates to being in the military as a sales rep, that demeanor and, and attitude and preparation um, in talking with people and being a problem finder and a problem solver is almost exactly what I do in the military. And that's why I chose to go into civil affairs mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like iron sharpens iron there. And I, for anyone considering joining the military, know that whatever your passion is, um, within technology or whatever career path you choose, there's an option for you in the military. There's, there's a military equivalent or close equivalent. Uh, it's a world within itself and you can find yourself a job where it is wildly different than what you do in the civilian world because you want a different experience, or you can do something that you feel like th those two irons sharpen each other, each other. And, um, you know, get better for it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I want to touch on something that you said about just kind of the repetition, right? It's like building a muscle. And even in even when you're starting at the bottom and you're cold calling and you're in a BDR role or a junior AE role, um, just getting that repetition uh, will make you so much better. It sets a great foundation as you continue to excel in your career. And, um, you know, Tyler, I want to tell a personal story about you from my perspective, man. Um, you know, my first time meeting you, I was just really shocked at how polished you were, even though that you're brand new into Workday. Um, I could just tell that you were going to be successful. And it's great to see, you know, not only just your career evolve, but then also you as a person evolve. Um, that That is awesome to see. And then, you know, our, our relationship has stayed strong and I'm rooting for you as you continue to, to grow within your career. So that chance. Absolutely. Likewise. Man. Absolutely, man. So let's talk about this vets in tech thing, right? Because I know that this is a huge initiative for a lot of technology companies, those that are progressive in just in terms of how they look at their workforce. What's been your experience as a veteran in technology? You know, I, I think really it's um, it's been revealing. It, it's it's shown me a, a different and in some ways a better way of getting things done, um, especially in terms of like process management, right? So <clears throat> coming from the military, 
it's a it's a big giant machine, right? There's there's a ton of people in it. Uh, it's just a huge organization uh, across the Department of Defense and just the Army alone. And with that, it can be clunky and slow at times, and uh, bureaucratic and leadership by committee. And so seeing Workday, which you know is a pretty large company, but significantly smaller than the U.S. Army, um, how agile they can be with getting things done and making decisions and uh, kind of the people process of, of, you know, onboarding, training, getting people up to speed, coaching, performance management, uh, mentorship, all those things are, are done so smoothly and effortlessly. And it's a little bit more uh, deliberate process mm-hmm. in the military. It's, it's much more specialized. So you have to see a number of different people to get things done as an individual, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so kind of seeing how the military operates, whether it's, you know, in a good way or a bad way or neutral, you kind of bring that into your civilian job and vice versa, uh, where you can take best practices from one and bring them to the other. And it gives you insight. And I think insight is the most one of the most valuable things somebody can bring to a team right and that's that's the whole value prop behind diversity is is perspective and insight that different people from different backgrounds bring to a team and having that in the military is wonderful it's an extremely diverse diverse organization with all kinds of different people and different ideas and it's uh you know a, a very good picture of the melting pot of America. Um, and then you get to take some of those things and, and bring them to the civilian world and your civilian job. Um, and it's, it, it's really cool and really rewarding. And it gives you a very unique perspective among your peers. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So I want to transition the conversation a little bit and talk about your interests outside of work. So I know you're a father. Um, yep. Girl, dad. Yeah. Girl, dad. Um, you know, tell me about your interests outside of work, man. I, I see cooking on the gram all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about this earlier and it's, it's weird because they all start with F's. It's you know, family, uh, friends, food, fitness, fun, football, <laughs> right? It's, football. <laughs> it's I, I just, I guess I just love things that begin with F. Um, and the cooking part of it has absolutely been a COVID hobby. If you asked me that question a year ago, I wouldn't have known what the hell I was talking about with anything related to cooking, um, the basic dishes at that, at that point. But as a COVID hobby, I, I got a Kamado Joe, uh, which is like one of the a big green egg, basically a big ceramic grill. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about it is it, it was like a challenge, right? It's, it's not as easy as turning on a propane grill you have to use wood and you can use smoking wood that brings different flavors and um you you can do direct heat indirect heat there's all these ways you can adjust this grill and it's also uh you can cook something low and slow for 12 hours or you can sear a steak at like 800 degrees it's just a very versatile very cool piece of cooking equipment that I have fallen in love with it's, it's, it's my COVID hobby, my, my new dad hobby. And, yeah. uh, especially in the summertime, there's, there's not much better than going to the back porch with 
a glass of bourbon and and cooking some steak. Yeah. Um, it's it's awesome, man. So yeah, I've I've made some very good meals as of late. Believe me, they didn't start that way. Hence why you didn't see me posting about it the first couple of months. It took some practice. And uh, I made some very mediocre steaks and some other dry chicken. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's man, the thing about cooking is we all eat. We all eat all the time. So like whether it's grilling or just learning how to cook, I think it's one of the most valuable personal skills you can have, especially if you're single and looking for somebody. It's a, a pretty nice part of your resume uh, to be able to make some delicious food that you eat daily is awesome. It's the return on investment is absolutely there. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I love to cook too. I think that's a COVID hobby for me too. I picked up, you know, I was kind of where you were just basic meals. Like, you know, I could make salmon, broccoli and rice, you know, right. <laughs> but yep. now, you know, I, I definitely have stepped it up in the kitchen and I'm, you know, pretty proficient. I know my way around. So that's good. Yeah, man. So let me ask you, um, you know, you talked about football, fitness. Who'd you have in the Super Bowl prior to I, the game? I had the Bucks, man. I, really? Tom Brady, any, I think you might have had your reasons, but anyone who who bet against Tom Brady, I, I don't I don't understand you. Um, I, I just at this point, I don't know how you can bet against the man. And it's as a Ravens fan, having grown up in Baltimore, um, I just uh, we've been knocked out of the playoffs by the Patriots and Tom Brady many times. Yeah. And it, it would be very easy for me to not like that guy for how many times he's knocked us out. Um, but at this point, I'm just in awe of what he's accomplished. And whether you hate him or love him, uh, he's he's the goat, man. He's yeah seven for sure. Bowls, and he's been in the Super Bowl about half of his seasons in the NFL. I mean, it's it's really cool to be in the presence of, of that kind of greatness and that we get to live through the guy who might be the greatest of all time. Yeah. For me, it's hands down. He's the greatest football player of all time. It's not even close for me because, and, and to your point, you know, just to be able to live through his era is, is awesome. awesome. Just to wit- Yeah. Go back to back. No matter how many people doubt him, he doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. He always gets there and he always gets the job done. So yep. it's awesome to witness. I know when, when we're talking to our grandkids, man, we're going to be saying, Oh, you didn't see Tom Brady. Yeah. 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 Yep. yep. And you know, I'm no, I know that in the future, there's going to be another Lamar Jackson or something similar, just yep. like how we were growing up. There was Mike Vick. Now we see the reinc- reincarnation of him and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, 40, 50 years down the line. I don't think there's ever going to be another Tom Brady. I don't think nobody's ever going to do that again. You know? Yeah, I don't I don't know. And, and, and you know what I what I've come to appreciate about Tom Brady as an adult that I think everybody can learn from is that Tom Brady might just be one of the least athletically gifted people yeah. in the NFL. He's yeah. sure he's athletic compared to the average person, but in the NFL, not at all. And his his combine performance is still a matter of like people still joke about it. They laugh about it. Uh, how slow he was in the 40. Um, and it just goes to show that if you are determined and you put in the work and you have a process uh, and p- perhaps most importantly, you see the way he 
he builds relationships with his coaches and his players and the, the people on the, on his team look at him as like a, almost a demigod. Like he's just, he's the man and they respect him. Mm-hmm. And you can see how powerful his presence is because wherever he goes, whether he was on the Patriots or the Buccaneers, he's one of those players where you can put some troubled NFL people or characters on his team that have maybe had some issues on and off the field. Mm. Um, and they stop when they play with him yeah, because he doesn't tolerate it. And they straighten up when they play with him. And to me, that, that says a whole lot about his character and his leadership that he can, he can do that and create that culture. Yeah. Yeah, You know, that's actually an underrated skill that he's developed, you know, just his leadership. Right. Um, You know, just studying him over the years uh, you're right. You know, he's, he's had, he's worked with players from all different types of backgrounds and some with trouble past. Um, But when they come to the Patriots or to the Bucks now, um, you know, we don't hear that many stories yeah. about character issues, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, man. Um, Tyler, man, it's been an amazing episode, man. I know that this is going to be extremely impactful and extremely valuable for not only just my audience, but for years to come, man. So I want to say thank you for taking a second out of your day to sit down with me today. And um, I look forward to chopping it up with you soon, man. Likewise, Chance. Uh, the feelings are mutual. And uh, it was great talking with you. Hope we uh, get to talk again soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Take Chances podcast, where we talk about tech, culture, and people. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Chance Mac. Have a great day. Take chances.